Straw Hut Media. Well, and I think that that's one of what makes people's heads tilt a little bit when they see a gay man, lesbian, like making the conscious effort to actually create a family. They're like, well, how does that work? Because when I came out, the friends that I had at the time would tell me like, yo, look, lesbians and gay guys, they don't really get along. They don't hang out. They're not supposed to. And I'm thinking to myself, how? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. L that doesn't in the compute. beginning of the acronym. That part. You're like, we're number one, actually. Numero they, seriously, no. they're the leaders. I mean, so for me, that was never, that, that, that was never part of my journey uh, with our community. And, you know, hey, look, to each his own. What, what works for you works for you. I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life. We're not just sharing all. our story. Right. That's, an, that's that another part. thing. Yeah. Just before the Sunday Funday brunch rush one morning, co-workers turned close friends, Brandy Andrews and Lawrence Carroll, casually came up with a plan to start a family together. Nearly four years later, they're raising their two-year-old son, Hartley, as a blended family, including Brandy, Lawrence, and their respective partners. What might set them apart from other blended families is that Lawrence is gay and Brandy is a lesbian. Today, you'll hear from Brandy and Lawrence about their pregnancy journey, approach to dating, and why Courtney Cox sent a camera crew to follow them around for nine months. I'm Levi Chambers, and this is Pride. Welcome. Welcome to our live. Yeah, seriously. Hi, my name is Lawrence. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm 36, live in Los Angeles. Um, I'm a business publicist. I'm also on the board of LA Pride. Um, I'm also on the board of Encinitas for Equality, which is a small nonprofit right outside of San Diego. Lawrence is also a writer and plans to publish his second book this year, titled My Dear King, which encourages young boys and men to prioritize their mental wellness. His first book, My Dear Queen, released in 2019, spoke to young girls and women of color, encouraging them to love their hair. Cool, right? But there's a more important title that Lawrence holds. Um, and I'm a dad. I'm Brandy Andrews. I am a mom. So right now I am currently an educator at Paul Mitchell and I also just started a business called Luna Vibe Co. And it is going to be an online as well as physical space for the beauty industry and all uh, Black, Latinx, BIPOC, Indigenous, LGBTQIA small owned businesses. And that is to make sure that there is equality in the beauty industry, not just for the big name beauty brands that goes with skin, makeup and hair. Okay, so before any of that, before you were working on your own business, before you were working as a business publicist, where did you two meet? In a nutshell, we both lived downtown on Main Street and had no idea that we both worked at the Abbey, but she kept seeing me walk past the salon that she worked at. And she would recognize me just kind of like walking around the Abbey and put two and two together like, oh, I know this guy, we must work together at the Abbey. So she pops out of her salon one day when I was walking past to get to my car, like the crazy bitch that she is. I did. I literally was like, hey! <laughs> and I'm like, who the fuck is this chick? 
And I just look at her and I'm like, okay. And she's like, yeah, we work together and yada, yada, yada. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, sure. Can I be transparent? He completely gay boyed me. He was like, oh, that's so nice. That's cute. Maybe I'll see you at work. <laughs> but that's he... what you do in Hollywood. <laughs> Let's not get it twisted. That's, that's what you do in Hollywood. Um, so I played that game. And then I saw her like a couple weeks later. And I was just like, holy shit, she was telling the truth. Like she does work here. For any of our listeners that don't know, The Abbey is a notable and high-traffic queer bar located in the heart of Los Angeles' neighborhood, West Hollywood. At the time, Brandy was working as a bartender, and Lawrence was stationed at the front of the popular club as a host. He was the VIP host. Yeah, I'm being modest about it. I really, don't. I really he was did. the VIP host. If I you needed a table like at The Abbey, <laughs> you needed to get through him. After their initial interaction outside Lawrence's car, their relationship began to grow. They became closer friends and eventually roommates. So during a slow Sunday shift at the Abbey, the two got on the topic of relationships and family planning. Doors are just open, people are kind of trickling in. And um, I had just broken up with a girl that I had been seeing and I was like, I'm so over women. So I'm venting to him, he's venting to me. And then he tells me, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to have a baby by myself. He was like, I was thinking about the same thing. I don't know who said it first, but, um, so we agreed on the same thing. And he was like, yeah, I was thinking about doing it with this girl. That was his friend that I had met when I was his roommate. And so he told me he was going to have a baby with her. And I said, and I said, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I don't care who you have a baby with, but it's not going to be her. And she wasn't even saying it for herself. She was just like, yo, look, that's not, as a friend, I can't let you (laughs) go down that road. And I'm looking at her like, well, then who else am I going to do this with? And then our coworkers Mm -hmm. who was ear effing us the entire time was just like, why don't you two just do it together? And we look and we're like, not do it together. But you know, like, you know, in cartoons together. when two people look at each other and then it's like, Ding, there's a <laughs> light bulb in that. That was the, that was our it light made bulb. So much sense. We literally, we had like an hour conversation. Mm-hmm. We shook on it at mm-hmm. the end because then people started showing up. A few years passed since their initial conversation. Still, Brandy and Lawrence hadn't made any moves towards starting a family until a near-fatal car accident forced Brandy to reevaluate her life. And she was hit by two drunk drivers on the 405. Um, it was Coachella weekend. And she called, and I was like half asleep or something, and I realized the next morning that basically the accident that she was in should have took her out. Thankfully, the accident happened the year before Brandy became pregnant, giving her a wake-up call and reminder of how fragile life can be. It took out the right side of my body, and then I had to have, like, surgery after surgery on my knee. With Lawrence helping her with her recovery, Brandy reflected on a handshake and discussion they shared many months prior and decided it was time to take action. One day, was just like, look, I'm not going to wait anymore. Like, we, we've put this off long mm-hmm. enough. We've had stressful situations happen along the way, mm-hmm. but it's time to, like, really get to work here. So they made the decision to have a baby. But how? First, they wanted to see if a natural pregnancy was an option. So Brandy and Lawrence went to a fertility specialist to check their health and examine their chances of pregnancy. So we had blood drawn, we had semen tested, we had ovaries looked at, which I did on camera. (laughs) And I was like, you guys stay up by my head. Stay all the way up by my head if this is going down. This is inappropriate. I think Um, it's in episode one, by the way. Yeah, it is. It is. And then we found out things like 
we needed to get legal contracts drafted up. Each of us should have an attorney and go see a therapist, go see a therapist and a psychologist and all this other stuff. And then finding out that Lawrence or any gay man for that matter is not seen as a fit donor for sperm. They have to be a high risk, high risk because of our lifestyle. Sadly, queer men still face many discriminatory policies even today. Several countries have laws that prohibit men who have sex with men from participating in blood, organ, or sperm donations. And this has been around since the 80s with the AIDS pandemic. When that broke out, that's Mm. what set the tone that because gay men were so risky with their lifestyle, so promiscuous that all of us are, you know, endangering people when we go out and try to make babies. Yeah, that's a joke. Uh, well, I wasn't trying to make a joke, but like it's yeah, no, it yeah, is exactly. Joke. And so hearing that, um, it really because what was really different about the two of us <clears throat> coming together is that we both wanted mom and dad to be present, mm-hmm. you know, for our child. We wanted to make sure that our child, you know, whoever we ended up falling in love with romantically, we wanted to make sure that our child still had a connection to its biological, you know, other half, if you will. Um, so to hear that, I wouldn't even be able to donate to Brandy because I'm a gay man. And then you add on the layer on top of that, that actually I wouldn't even be considered the father because Mm -hmm. legally, if I'm not on the birth certificate or the declaration of paternity, when you leave the hospital, I mean, that our child wouldn't be mine. Um, So it was a really, really interesting situation that the parent agreement actually helped us get through a lot of that. In fact, in April of 2020, due to challenges with the U.S. blood supply created by COVID-19, the FDA amended its policy for men who have sex with men. First established in 1985, the FDA regulation eliminated the right for men who have sex with men to donate blood altogether. Then, in 2015, the FDA updated the policy to allow those men to donate blood after a 12-month celibacy period from their last male sexual interaction. With the current update, the abstinence period has been reduced to three months. With this new information and conception obstacle, the pair had to consider what they could afford financially. Medical procedures like in vitro fertilization, also known as IVF, are also sought out by individuals who cannot conceive naturally. IVF is the process of collecting mature eggs from the ovaries and lab fertilizing them with sperm. The fertilized egg, or eggs, will then be transferred into the uterus. The IVF process is long and not guaranteed. It can cost nearly $25,000, which often forces couples to look at alternate options, which drew Lawrence and Brandy to Mosey Baby. I just Googled it one day and I was like, at home insemination kit. Because I kept joking. I'm like, look, we can do like a turkey baster method. That's what I was picturing. I'm assuming it's not that. Well, in a sense, it is. is. (laughs) But it's a medical syringe that Mosey Baby developed for maximum efficacy and like efficiency and all that other stuff. Yeah, the way that they formulated it and made it their own is like for at-home insemination, it's ideally what you want. Everything's like sterilized and... They give you what, two syringes and a Petri Mm -hmm. dish. Mm -hmm. Once they figured out their baby making method, everything began to fall into place. They had a safe way of getting pregnant and they didn't have to break the bank to do it. Oh, oh forgot to say that Mosey Baby's 89 bucks, by the way. Oh, yeah, we did that yeah. for 90 bucks. I was going to ask, bucks. like, is there a coupon? Do you get it on Amazon Prime? <laughs> yes, How yes, does it work? we have a referral code. <laughs> <laughs> All that was left was to decide when to get pregnant. After some conversation, Brandy and Lawrence agreed that they wanted their baby to be a Libra, so they marked their calendars and planned accordingly. So we're like, look, we're doing this in January. We know that we can count back three months. Boom, we got a Halloween baby, give or take. 
So, because that's her favorite holiday. Fast forward to insemination week. Lawrence upheld his end of the bargain. He walked into Brandy's room, carefully carrying a loaded syringe, expecting to see the future mother of his child waiting patiently alone. But to his surprise, Brandy brought a friend. And I look over and her best friend, Ashley, is laid up in the bed next to her. And I'm like, why is Ashley here? And Ashley's like, why are you in here? <laughs> we were like, just sleeping in the same bed. Let me just preface that. We were sleeping in the same bed. She's like my sister, sister brother. It didn't even matter. It was just another body up in the bed that I wasn't <laughs> was. ready for. It and was. next thing I know, Brandy's like, oh yeah, by the way, Ashley, we're trying to get pregnant this week. And so, and I'm like, I have dying sperm in my hands right now. You need to insert this because it's insemination week. It's go time, soldier. Let's do this. <laughs> and I kid you not, Ash was there for the first two days of insemination mm-hmm. week and we got pregnant that week. Their pregnancy process seems almost too easy, right? Find a partner, buy a kit, and get pregnant on your first try. What luck? But the pregnancy itself wasn't so simple. Brandy suffered from something called hypermesis gravidarum, which is a severe form of nausea and vomiting during pregnancy that affects only about 2% of women. Famously, Amy Schumer publicly discussed her experience with the same condition. It's often debilitating. But after months of sickness and a few false labors, both parents were more than ready to meet Hartley. And I'm like talking to my stomach and I'm like, hey, Hartley, check this out. We're gonna be in team forever. So if you are healthy, and, and safe to come out, I am ready to be your mom. This is the day before National Coming Out Day. And so I, as the publicist on the PR team for the Abbey, we were having, I think it was Channel Q Radio, and they were doing an activation there that morning. So I had to be at the Abbey at like 4 a.m. And I was not looking forward to it. So as she's over there talking to him, being like, yo, look, it's time for you to show up. <laughs> I'm saying the same thing in my head. Like, yo, kid, if you are going to pop up any day, today is the day. Because I don't feel like going to work tomorrow. <laughs> and surely enough, at like 1 a.m., I hear her in the bedroom be like, ooh. I'm like, she's on the phone with the hospital. I was just like, yes. <laughs> it's, it's showtime. <laughs> Weighing in at seven pounds, eight ounces, and 21 inches long, their son Hartley was born on National Coming Out Day to two queer parents. Talk about kismet. And for anyone wondering, yes, he's a Libra. It was, it's a feeling I really can't put into words other than there was just an element of peace. If you can imagine like the world, okay, I hate to use a pandemic as a reference, but when everything was just quiet, that's what the hospital room felt like because it was just the three of us. Like, I don't care how many people were in there. Like, Brandy instantly became the mother of my child, like, for real, for real. And she was, like, glowing with happiness, but she had just got through crying and, like, sweating and pushing out a whole human. But this human, like, was so peaceful. He didn't cry. He wasn't screaming. It was, he came into this world peacefully. And that's all I felt until he made like a little squeak. And I was like, oh. You mean like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was. Yeah, he was so cool. He was just such a little stud when he came into the world. When we come back, Lawrence and Brandy discuss writing their own rules as a new traditional family and how their story ended up in a documentary series with Courtney Cox. Welcome back. Today we're talking with Lawrence Carroll and Brandy Andrews, two queer people who decided they didn't need to wait for the right romantic partner to start their family. Before the break, the parents recounted the events leading up to the birth of their son, Hartley. 
But the question we're all probably thinking about is, what now? What happened next? And how does this work? Levi, I want to ask the same damn questions. <laughs> how does it work? Who wrote this book? Because if somebody else wrote this book, we could really use your help right Man, now. Wow, we are figuring that out. We just are to be honest. literally. I guess we are. We yeah, are writing we are the book. Figuring because that out. it is not easy, no, and it is no, not at all. What we planned for, you know, in that conversation at the Abbey, mm-hmm. what was it, five years ago, five six mm-hmm. years ago, we had an idea of what parenthood may or would look like for the two of us and what co-parenting together, what we both wanted out of that. Mm-hmm. We're really, really good about, you know, communicating what we want and then finding a middle ground if we, you know, can't budge or something like that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to thinking about relationships, romantic relationships, we had nothing to base that on. And we weren't even really thinking about that. While families like theirs are becoming increasingly common, it departs from the nuclear family structures we often see represented. This meant Brandy and Lawrence would have to navigate this experience on their own. There would be no role models or examples to look up to for guidance. But like most parents, they would make it up as they went along. This also meant figuring out how and when to introduce new partners into the mix. And when you start to put in work into somebody, things change. We're both with people that have put in some work with us and that we have put in work with them. And it has really shifted the the dynamic between the two of us that we just weren't expecting because now we had to be even more vulnerable with one another about our romantic relationships where in the past we kind of kept that separate from one another um and our partners want things and want to do things and how does that affect what we created and agreed to do together We're, we're we're writing a book right now and that is in one of the chapters where um just who you bring home and mm-hmm. how that affects the family. We have to mm-hmm. be on the same page. With yeah, that. absolutely. And if it's a booty call or something, look, we, we know not to get serious with it. We know, look, take it over there, here. keep yeah, it exactly, over there. Right, but you won't be here for the morning shift. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Was, was that good? Uh, <laughs> but in this particular instance, no, we have two people who really want to be involved, and it's just so, 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 so different this time around. Because um, so, it's like, how do you put up those boundaries? Yeah. You know? Because at the end of the day, you're the parents. Exactly. Right. So it's how, like, how do you p- apply boundaries with not only your partner, but with your co-parent's partner? And then how do you right. like transcribe all of that? And do the rules have to be the same across the board? Do they not? Do they but like, what? One obstacle both Brandy and Lauren's face with each of their respective partners is the idea of growing their families in the future. Their partners are looking to settle down and have kids, but Brandy and Lawrence, they already did that. I think from what I've seen, because I'm saying what we've seen from both of of our partners, Mm -hmm. it's hard not to get carried away in the fantasy, but then also feel invalidated when you're like, I can't give you that right now because I've already started this. I already have a child. Like I'm just going through the beginning processes of this. And even though your clocks are all ticking, our our alarm went off. Our our little old school bell said, we already did it. I've done this in my relationship where I've established that boundary. I said, look, I want to give you everything. And it wasn't an easy boundary to set because you can easily make your partner feel invalidated, you know, especially when they're triggered um, and say, you know, I'm like, do not ask me for another kid for like three years. Mind you guys, we've like had these conversations with our partners already. So this yeah. isn't anything new that they would hear. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, I had to establish a boundary that I did not want another child for three years. Obviously, yes, I will. I want to have a family with you. I want to marry you. I want to do this, but I also have to see how to shift this dynamic 
Brandy and Lawrence live together, co-parenting Hartley, who is now a toddler, so he has equal access to both of his parents at all times. While platonically co-parenting, they are also trying to grow within their own romantic relationships and establish boundaries for their family, all while under the same roof. It seemed like the perfect setup, and it was working for them. And then the pandemic happened. I think it just made us realize that having that full house family matters, you know, all those things that we grew up with on all these different types of families and their dynamic, that's just not for us. <laughs> it's like we want, we ideally would have loved to have a house, like a, a plot of land with two properties and you know, a huge garden in between and la-di-da and unicorns and rainbows. No. Yeah, a compound. <laughs> That's what we need if we're in order to do that. We need two or three acres of land. You need to be on your side. I need to be on my side. We need to keep our partners separate. This is what we'll do for family Ooh. stuff. Like, oh my God. As they learn, grow, and create new understandings of how their family will thrive, Brandy and Lawrence plan to live separately. But for now, their priority is Hartley and how he might react to waking up one day and seeing moving boxes in his home. We want to make sure that he's able to understand what's going on before we just make any sort of decision for selfish reasons. Because at the end of the day, moving out and all that stuff, really, that's some selfish... Can I curse? Yeah. Shit. Okay, cool. So... And, and we just, we don't want to do that to him because we know what it's mm -hmm. like to have trauma. Mm -hmm. And we don't, we, we want to minimize the opportunities for that for Hartley as much as we can. So, you know, if we had to prolong a certain decision for the best of him, we'll do so. And um, I think with our vacation, we both have a momcation and a dadcation where we both leave for a week. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I went to uh, so Playa del Carmen uh -huh. in Tulum in Cancun. Yeah, every year um, we get to take a week off, yeah. 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 Yeah, and so like being gone for those 7 days, I think that I think we could I speak for both of us when I say that's probably the max we want to go without seeing you know, okay. Hartley and so we had to take that into consideration and how now it's laying down all the logistics for it's like the the second the, the addendums to all the mm -hmm. things in our parental agreements because that's know. constantly changing uh, yeah we're it's constantly updating that and making sure that you know it's relevant with it's the relevant <laughs> you know we even have in there that we have to make sure that we're taking care of our mental health and the other one has the permission to be like i think you need to go yeah. like back or continue you know or switch therapists or something because this is it's not a safe space for us hey man you know parenthood as hard as it is you know try to make it as easy for yourself as possible mm -hmm. do and what you on need yourself. to do yeah you know because it'll it'll it, it makes a world of difference I mean, us as a LGBTQ or rainbow family I don't really put a label on what we are except for we're just family. Actually, I do say that we're a new traditional family because I mm -hmm. feel like we are starting our own traditions and then carrying on like the ones that we really, really love and hold dear from our families because we're both really family oriented people. Um, so mm -hmm. to us, like just the nucleus and what we've created, the three of us, like that, that means a lot to us. Um, so I never really felt like the world would see us other than just a family. But for me, race actually comes into play because People will forever look at Hartley and ask, what are you mixed with? And the mm -hmm. questions, and I know what that feels like. Me too. Um, and that was really tough growing up. So what having are that, you? Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, he's got this like platinum blonde hair almost, at least he did for a minute. 
but now it's like this yellowish and it's super curly but it's like you know deep it's little golden but it's still yeah. very much blonde yeah yeah it's uh it's really interesting so i think i get protective over just the race um component and his ethnicity when people encounter brandy and lawrence their initial perception is that they're a heterosexual couple with a baby <laughs> and they're Even like, oh, walking, like, six we apart. saw your husband and like, they must look at us and be like, they really don't like each other. They're not affectionate at all. Or they're like, how does he not know that she's a lesbian? <laughs> or she how does she not he know that he's a gay man? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that. Typically, Brandy and Lawrence don't correct people who assume they're dating. But in some situations or settings, they feel it's important to clarify their relationship, like at Hartley School. And so far, these parents have been met with nothing but acceptance for their family. At his school? Awesome. Amazing. The money. Amazing. We're not going to say where he goes. <laughs> they, But they even do our projects to like now acknowledge our partners. But even with the open arms and encouragement they feel around them, they can still be reminded of their differences. Like when Lawrence visits his family in St. Louis, it serves as a reminder that few places are as progressive and accepting as Los Angeles. You forget <laughs> that you live in one of the biggest gay meccas, if you will, where you can be free. I mean, LA Pride, hello, we have one of the world's largest pride celebrations, you know, um, and countries from around the world actually send a lot of their like LGBTQ leaders to the Gay Lesbian Center here in Los Angeles, just so that way they can learn how do we do it here. Um, so there's a lot of influence that comes out of the city and we as gay people have to be mindful of that, that it's not like that outside of these, you know, outside of these city limits for a lot of people, even in our own state. If you go enter into like central California, it gets a little, you know, gets a little red, gets a little conservative. Um, so I do keep that in mind, but I don't want our son, not saying that I want to shield him from reality, but I don't want that to ever be something that like hinders his own development and growth as a person. The last six years have been a series of trials and tribulations for Brandy and Lawrence. Their incredible story seems like something you'd only see on TV, or in this case, on Facebook. The duo was documented in a series showcasing their pregnancy experience for Facebook Watch, produced by friend star Courtney Cox. That took us to a completely different level because we actually recorded all of that material. So mm -hmm. all the content that you see on those episodes came from us recording ourselves. Like being um, completely transparent yeah. in our pregnancy. And like, if we didn't feel like recording something, then we didn't do it. But we made the conscious effort to ask each other, like, is this something that you want to share? Should yeah. you get the cameras? You know? So every time we had a Braxton Hicks scare or anything like that, all of that was documented because we wanted it to be like, not to scare anybody, but to be like stuff like this happens, but you still get through it. But then like when we look back on it, it's mm. also super awesome. I think, for Hartley to be able to understand, like, this is how this all came to be. If you ever had a question, dude, just go turn on the TV real quick. And I hate to say it like that, but at least he has that to kind of always explain this mm -hmm. dynamic because mm -hmm. we get a lot of questions. How does this work? And, and I think, <laughs> and I think just like for me, it was more like, what are, what is, what are these people going to say when Hartley? you know when they're like that when they find out that hartley's parents are gay like what are you teaching your child and it's also like hmm. we're educational in a, in a in a sense because you can literally go and see how it works you have no excuses to not understand so if hartley were to listen to this interview because you know once you put it on the internet it is out there forever 
If Hartley were to listen to this interview in 10 years, and I ask both of you this, what is something that you hope he learns or appreciates most about his progressive family? Because there's lots of progressive families, specifically in coastal cities, like you said, Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco, where you have two gay dads or two gay moms. But rarely where you have a gay dad and a gay mom, right? It's, it's a little more unique. So if there was something that you hope that he takes from his life experience, what would that be? That his family is normal. At the end of the damn day, he's got two parents who love the shit out of him and would go to the end of the earth for him and will protect him like none other. And that's what any other good parent would do, regardless of who in the hell they sleep with. So I hope that he feels that this is normal. Um, and I hope that he can also experience the world looking at this as if it's normal. Yeah, that he's just loved, that he was loved. And that because of that, because we kept that, ha have that be this like staple of our family, you know, on top like love and communication, <laughs> those two things, love with love and communication, you can accomplish anything. Um, but that we taught him, not only did we teach him everything that we know, we taught him everything we didn't know that we made that conscious effort to be better people and, and teach him everything that we didn't know so that he could be better than us yeah. and continue that progression, you know, through whatever <clears throat> family he decides to have. Pride is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Then follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pride and tune in weekly for new episodes. Be sure to share this episode with your friends and subscribe for more stories from amazing queer people. If you'd like to connect with me, you can follow me everywhere at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Levi Chambers, Maggie Bowles, Ryan Tillotson, Caitlin McDaniel, and Brandon Marlowe. Edited by Silvana Alcala and Daniel Ferreira. Sound mixing by Silvana Alcala. Would you choose to do that? You know, so be it. She's talking to the baby. Kid the we'll, phone. we'll be right there, baby. All right. Just give me five He's minutes, like, okay? This interview, I'm done. Right, right, right. He's like, where the fuck are you? Fucking freaking out. But I, there's a bird outside. Yeah, that part. <laughs>